Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast um, episode of On the Other Hand. And I'm Jonathan, our other co-host. I am also Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah, we're the Jonathans. And um, we yeah. love to talk around um, a whole range of issues, topics, yep. hot button topics, things that we know everybody is talking about. Not everybody knows or has confidence to communicate about. Yep. Um, and today... We have uh, we have sort of a, a little different swing. Um, we're mm-hmm. going to be doing more of an interview style, go a little bit longer, and that's because we're talking about a topic that uh, really is near and dear, not only to our hearts but to Church on the Rock, yeah. um, and something that is important and critical um, mission wise for our community, just because of our location, our geography, some yeah. of the unique circumstances that we face up here in Alaska. But um, we're talking about the issue of foster care and adoption. And of course, we're coming from a perspective that we really believe that the Bible teaches um, that adoption is something that, well, we've all been adopted. We've all been adopted right. into the family of God through faith. Um, and, and so we have a high value for yeah. that. Um, but specifically, uh, you also, Jonathan, you have a high value for adoption. Um, you've actually adopted. And so uh, so we just thought we'd take some time um, over the next couple episodes, really, to just discuss some of the issues that surround that, and today center in on just some of your personal story, you and Kitri, as you've walked through um, this unique um, ministry, really, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I I think to your your point, um, I I wouldn't even necessarily say that adoption, foster care, um, uh, that whole ministry is unique to Alaska, mm, right? It, yeah. If we were to look back, it was unique to the early church, oh, that's good, right? Yeah, right. That, um, that one of the things that these early followers of Jesus were known for was their willingness to take into their family um, others who were not part of their biological family, um, which was a significant need just culturally, right? Um, but was also a significant need in terms of how um, children were viewed, um, and so this whole issue of infanticide, right? If you didn't yeah. like the gender of the child that you were, you know, born that was born to you, or um, if there was some reason you felt like they were cursed, it was within the realm of permissive and legal to leave them outside um, yeah. in order to be uh, killed by the elements. Um, and so the early church really was the one that embraced this mission of valuing life. Um, and then taking these children in. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that it's the early church. I mean, we can. It's James is where we hear widows and orphans that mm-hmm. this is true religion. Well, that's possibly um, between James and Galatians, one of the first books written for us, you know, included in the New Testament canon. Yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and so you're talking about the first ten years, even of the early church. This emerges as a critical element of our value, how we view ourselves in relationship to our world and what we need to do about it to be on mission. Yeah, it's interesting because it, for James to, to bring this up, James has a unique perspective, right? I mean, this is the brother, half-brother right. of Jesus. And so their father, right, has had to, um, Joseph has had to take in a child that he knew from the Spirit of the living God, right, heard from God, mm-hmm. um, was not his biological child, and then for the rest of Jesus' siblings, um, they all experience this journey in life that has this unique tension in it when it comes to biological belonging and, um, and 
James is is clearly addressing this issue and saying, listen, um, pure and undefiled religion. Yeah. In our culture, religion gets a bad rap. The term religion gets a bad rap, right? Yeah. But he says there is a pure and undefiled expression of love, devotion to God, and it involves caring for widows and orphans. You know, and that's actually a critical element in my story. Not everybody knows this, but my mother was stolen away in the middle of the night from Virginia, moved to California um, to get away from dad. And, uh, and in the process of that, uh, several years later, um, mom remarried, my grandma remarried uh, another gentleman who was a logger and hard worker and a, and a Christian. And um, that gentleman not just, you know, valued my mother as a little girl, but actually adopted her. Huh. And so, um, so this is, you know, this is a personal story yep. for me, but, but, uh, but also for you. And in fact, um, uh, I'll take this opportunity. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like what were some of the factors that allowed you or moved you to get involved in the process of adoption? Yeah, I think, um, my, my wife and I, Kitri, um, I don't know that we ever had any overt aversion to adoption, but my wife comes from a large family, um, mm. 11 kids in the family. Um, and so from the time I met her until the time we were married, my value for a large family radically <laughs> increased um, because I watched them interact with each other. Uh, while it had certainly its challenges, there was this real beauty, built-in friendship and camaraderie. And so we had every intention of having a large family when yeah. we got married. Um, and so we got married um, in short order. Uh, our son Caleb was born, um, got pregnant in that first year of marriage, and Caleb was born. And so when Caleb was born, it was in Homer, Alaska. We were living there um, at the time. And um, when he was born, uh, there were some challenges, and the hospital that we were in did not know how to navigate them. Mm-hmm. We now know, right, mm-hmm. um, uh, years later, that there were other issues that compounded those challenges, um, who the doctor was and whatnot. But Caleb was born, he was taken via C-section, and um, in that whole process, Kitri almost died. Um, in fact, it was real touch and go for a couple of weeks after that. But... Um, all of that being said, there was no technical or medical reason that we shouldn't be able to get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. But what we discovered is we weren't able to. And and so for years, we, we tried, wrestled with the issues of infertility and all the challenges that come with that. Um, and those moments where you're sitting on the couch, right? And Kitri's in tears wow. saying, I feel like I've been robbed of something I was supposed to have. The right. doctor who had, had performed the surgeries on her in the hospital during the C-section and and subsequently um, we discovered later it had numerous malpractice lawsuits. And injustice had been done. Yeah and so she had that sense that feeling like there should be these children sitting around me um, that I don't have um, and we were not able to get pregnant again. And so we had started to look into adoption but being in vocational ministry um, adoption is expensive Right, the lawyers involved and all of those sorts of things, and we just never could see a clear way forward. This was before people were GoFunding me for everything they want to do in life, right? <laughs> and so, like, how can we come yeah. up with these funds to move this process forward? And so, we've just never been able to really land on um, the right timing and the resources we would need. And then somebody brought up the idea to us of foster to adopt. And that was the first time we'd ever heard that term. 
um, and that there was an arm of foster care that was actually specifically designed to take these children that they believed were going to end up in the system indefinitely, Mm -hmm. that um, there was not going to be reunification with their biological parents for a whole host of reasons, um, and that you could enter in as a foster family with the intention of adopting. We had never even considered that or heard about it, and as soon as we did, we realized this is something we could do. Now, we didn't know all the ins and outs. We didn't know how different that would be from the adoption, you know, journey uh, versus foster care. There are some significant differences and challenges that are hardwired. But we felt like this is something that would be in the heart of God. It, it actually doesn't cost us anything financially to step into this, right? We can step in and be a safe home for a child with the intention of adopting if they become available for adoption. And so we said yes to that um, and uh, had no idea what to expect, mm-hmm. right? Didn't know if we'd get a 14-year-old showing up at our house or if we'd have you know, an infant showing up. In fact, the very first child that came to us was a, um, a young Russian boy um, who did not speak English. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we took him in. It was an emergency placement. And um, we're like, oh, boy, here we go. What did we get ourselves into, <laughs> right? And, um, and yet, at the same time, very much felt like this was something that was in the heart of God, something we could do as a family, and um, and felt like our son, Caleb, um, at the time was, I believe, 13, and something he had caught a vision for, he was wanting to be a part of, and so... Wow. Yeah. So, you know, as you're going through that, that process... Um, foster care and you're, you're, you're think you're, you're seeing what the Lord is doing and he's opening your heart to things. He's giving you opportunities. You're saying yes to those opportunities. Describe the process of, of getting to that moment where you're, where you go, um, uh, we, we, we love this child or we, 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 the situation is the right situation. This is the right framework. We can see the Lord working in this. This is the time to press mm-hmm. go. This is the time to move forward and actually adopt. How, how did that all work out for you? So that's that's the challenge inside of the foster care yeah. arena. And and I think part of the reason that this topic specifically could be a, a hot topic, you know, a button pushing topic is people have um, very different experiences when it comes to a a state institution, a federal institution, um, like Office of Children's Services. And, and so I recognize that, that when you step into that, you don't know who you're going to be working with. You don't know how the process is going to go. What we discovered immediately is that what you're describing was not actually our choice. When you step into foster care, what you're saying is, um, we will provide care for this child, a safe home for this child, um, while the state deliberately and intentionally works towards reunification with the biological parent. Now, you may know that this might not work out that way. Maybe they're in incarceration and they're going to be in incarceration for the next 20 years for some crime or whatever it is that brought that child into your home. Um, you know at the outset that you do not have control over whether it will be your choice to adopt. Um, and yet, in, in our case, um, you fall madly in love with, in, in particular when you take an infant into your home, mm. which the first three girls that we had placed in our home all came in as infants. 
And so you're not dealing with um, some of the behavioral issues that are overt, right? You have this significant level of empathy for a, a child. They don't know why they're in the situation they're in, why they're crying all night, the trauma they've experienced, all of those things. Um, uh, and so for us, having an infant come into our home, you're in love day one, right? And you have to remind yourself frequently that I have no idea how this is going to turn out. So and, how did that work for you? I mean, because if you have, if you have, you know, heartstrings, as some people call it, you're, you're growing attached, you know, in the back of your mind that, that this could be what would feel like is something's being, you know, wrenched away, right? Um, how, how, do you, how do you prepare your heart to work through that whole process? <laughs> That is what did a you guys do? Really good question. Um, so, and I've, I've told numerous young foster families this because there's a tendency to romanticize yeah. getting involved in this sort of thing. Um, and I really caution people because if the reason you're getting involved is for the feeling it generates for you versus the desire to do what's right by the child. Um, you could actually do significant damage to your own family um, and also to the future for this child. Mm. And so the state typically has a time frame in which they're supposed to work. Uh, it has been um, 18 months. They run an 18-month track to give every opportunity for reunification with the biological parents. Um, but from there, they actually begin to explore a different set of options, right? From there, they explore um, immediate family, um, extended family. And then as a foster family, if you're not related to the child as a foster family, you're usually the last one on the list to become the option. And so this is a grueling and gut-wrenching process. For Kitri and I, what I felt like the Lord very clearly said to me, um, this is one of those moments where in my heart, in my mind, I sensed the Lord saying something to me that I has stuck with me verbatim to this day. Um, and it's, it's this, uh, Jonathan, if you're going to say yes to this, you must be willing to have your heart broken over and over and over again, whether you adopt them or not. Mm-hmm. And so um, I knew coming in that there were going to be these moments where it looked like it was not going to go the way we wanted it to go, or everything in me was going to desire to vilify the biological parent um, uh, and, and somehow degrade them or downplay them to my kids, right, um, to take ownership before it was my right to take ownership. Um, and the Lord just said, listen, even in this process— your heart is going to break over and over. And if you're willing to allow that to happen, then say yes. And then the second thing was this. I must be willing to give all that I have for as long as I have them. And if it hurts like mad when they go away, then I probably love them well. Right? So the mm, more yeah. painful it is, yeah. if and when they go to mm. biological family, extended family, um, and it just rips my heart out, then I probably loved them well. But I could not, it was not allowed by the Lord to withhold love or affection in order to protect my own heart. I could give this kid, in the time frame we had, the gift of bonding 
which means they could bond again with someone else in the future, right? Yeah. Even though it might not be me. That's sacrificial, right? Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's what's so beautiful about that. And as you're describing that, the image of, in my mind, is, you know, as the Lord has treated us, we treat others. And that it isn't this, um, I, I need to adopt. It's this, um, I've been adopted and the Lord wants me to extend that, not for my benefit, but for somebody else's benefit. And, and, uh, and, and so it takes that selfish mm-hmm. um, motive, which, which you know, we don't like talking about, but it can be there and it can be in any of us, right? Uh, but it, it takes yeah. it and it says, hey, reframe your heart around God's purposes here. And, and, and then, of course, we know from that point forward, everything works out really, really well, right? Yep, yep. It all goes perfectly. Once, <laughs> once you have the right mentality, you get all the things you wanted, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you um, just a story to sort of highlight this. But um, first, for, for me, and I've said this for years, it continues to be true into this day. There is nothing that I have experienced or participated in in my Christian life from the time I came to Christ at 19 years old, Mm. nothing I've experienced in my Christian life that has taught me more about the gospel than this journey. Um, And yet, you know, it has had significant challenges um, and joys. But um, in terms of understanding the Father's heart for me, understanding what it means when the scriptures say it is by the spirit of adoption that we call him dad, Father, Abba, um, I'll tell you what, uh, hands down, has been the most educational and experiential for me in regards to my understanding of the gospel. And yeah, I cry a lot more these days than yeah. I ever have from the pulpit talking about the gospel, talking about yeah. this, this topic. But the story, our our first girl that, um, that we took in, she... She came to us as an infant. Um, we were in love from day one. Mm. Um, there were a whole bunch of things that just seemed like they were divinely ordained. Uh, everything from her name, you know, her given name, to um, the joy that was in our home, our community surrounding us in this whole process. And so we were at the place where the state had concluded that um, the termination or relinquishment of the biological parents' rights was where we were at. We were at the midnight hour, right? Mm -hmm. We were on the cusp of being in the courtroom, celebrating the adoption day, the name change, all of those things. Um, And she uh, is part Alaskan Native. And at the midnight hour, the tribe that she was registered with decided to get involved now, they didn't get involved, what we discovered later, because they uniquely loved her or wanted her. Um, uh, had she been brought into a village environment, um, she, just because of her appearance, would have been so clearly the outsider. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been a really tough scenario. What we discovered later is that um, there was tension, there was conflict, a beef between um, the, the individual at the tribal level and the state um, OCS office. And so they picked a fight over our girl, wow. right? Wow. And, uh, and so we get word of this. We're days literally away from all of this being finalized after a long and grueling process. 
Um, and, and they were crying out, you know, the ICWA law, right? The Indian Child Welfare Act um, had come into play. And, and, and so we hear about this uh, and we're just devastated. Like, this could be a deal breaker. Um, and so we begin to pray. We have all of our friends pray. Um, and through that series of events, God just does a miraculous, like my wife is praying that, that he will give dreams and visions to mm-hmm. the tribal members. Mm-hmm. Over the course of those couple of days, this becomes apparent at the tribal level with that particular group. They recognize what's happening with this lady. They fire her. They replace her with a lady who has adopted children. They discover that I'm also American Indian, right? And so I fit inside of the tier of who can adopt in the ICWA, you know, law. And all of this becomes apparent, and they end up showing up at our house um, with gifts. Sorry. You just went deep. (laughs) Gifts for our girl, right? Um, Wow. For our family celebrating um, this adoption. And, but... What I, what I realize in that moment is it just as easily could have gone an entirely different direction. Um, and it's, a, it's an ongoing reminder to me that, that what God has told me from the beginning, Jonathan, if you're going to say yes to this, you must be willing to have your heart tender, broken over and over again, if you want to join me in this, in this journey. And the same thing's true in his affection for me, yeah. right? Um, I mean, you think of Jesus on the cross looking out and like, there's this deep affection and love for the people who are wounding him, right? Forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And it's it's created a tenderness, um, a softness, which is not naturally how I am. I'm typically really black and white. Um, but I would challenge families to not romanticize it. It can be an extremely painful journey. But a shaping journey and, and one where the Lord really is invested in, right? He, we know yeah. this is where he meets you in it. He yeah. works. This is where he works. So so at some point you you um, you get your girls and you move on as a family um, into this new life where yeah. where um, legally you are a, a bona fide family. Yeah. What are some of the um, what are the, some of the things that you've been able to rejoice in in that process through the through the years, um, along with maybe what are some of the you know if I'm if I'm out there and I'm thinking hey I've wondered right. about adoption I, I I know a lot of people listening might be praying about it even even right now like what are some of the things that you faced that that you've worked through uh, some of the triumphs that you've been able to experience yeah. that might be helpful in that process of thinking through this. So. Um... Yeah, because it isn't like, hey, adoption day came. It, it, it was fun for us because we had we were in a community in Homer that we've been in for a long time, right. so we had all these relationships. And so they pack out the courtroom, you know, on our adoption mm. day, and we've got these photographs that we have of our our girls, and they all signed them, and they're actually hanging up in our house. These people who are cheering, you know, uh, for their future and success. And if you haven't ever been a part of that, it is, it is, it's spectacular. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you don't feel like you're in it alone. Right. Um, but, but when it comes to the day to day, man, there can be some significant challenges. And and in our next podcast, we're going to get sort of into the nuts and bolts Mm -hmm. and what I feel like is needed, what the church needs to do. But for us, um, 
I would say one of the greatest joys was our ability to work with the state office in our community to the degree that we have built relationships there um, uh, where they call us, even to this day, to check in on our girls, to ask for our input for other foster families in that community. But there was a real trust and rapport that was built there mm. with, with a state agency where we get the privilege of having some influence. Um, and and so that, that was a huge benefit. But the other one is this. Um, because of our willingness to walk with the biological families, um, both in relationship and um, and visitations and honoring that process, not uh, vilifying them to the girls, those sorts of things, they were both willing to relinquish their rights rather than go to a painful and <clears throat> elongated um, termination trial. But they, with this stipulation, they both, on, in all three cases, um, said, we're willing to relinquish our parental rights only if the walkers will adopt our girls, right? And so for us, that is an enormous gift we get to give our girls, right? Um, we, we get to say them. In fact, my wife wrote a book um, uh, after our first adoption. Um, it's just a children's book with illustrations in it, and we just wrote it for our daughter, to tell her the story of her adoption, how she came into our family, the things that God did, how he moved in the tribe, and that her biological um, uh, mother so clearly stated that she wanted us to care for her. That is such a gift. Whether she ever ends up able to or does have contact with her in the future, she knows that her biological mom picked us to be her forever family. So this feels more like provision uh, and as opposed to just, you know, somebody dropped the ball because they, they didn't care. In fact, as, as you're describing that, I'm going backwards in our conversation to how you framed, you know, as a couple, as a family, how you framed your hearts yeah. seems to be a direct line to how it all turned out in this in this regard where we're, we're Others were able to see yeah. motive, intention, um, desire, uh, a purity. A hundred percent. Because because if what we fundamentally believe, regardless of what the facts may say in regards to where this is headed mm -hmm. for the for the biological parent, nope, they're never going to get out of their addiction. They're never going to get out of prison. They're never going to, whatever it is, right? Um, but no matter how all of that seems, our desire to cheer for them to say, no, it would be better for any kid for their biological family to be healthy and thriving yeah. and to, to genuinely desire that, regardless of how it's actually going to turn out, is a critical gift to that kid, to that biological parent. Um, and so that is, that's a posturing of your heart that is gospel-centered, Right, like if I don't believe that transformation is possible, I certainly shouldn't be a pastor, and I probably shouldn't be a Christian. Right, like right, right. If, if this isn't feasible for everyone, no matter what their situation is mm -hmm. currently, if I can't have that hope for them, which is really hard, because you don't want them, you love that kid, and it feels like your kid is being stolen, but they're God's kids, right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if I can cheer for that, if I can celebrate that. Then, however it turns out, I've postured that kid to be able to thrive in the future, to bond in the future, um, and and I'm not creating villains, 
you know, mm. all around. Uh-huh. That, that isn't to say there aren't real issues that have to be addressed at a state level and at a, a personal level. And really, we'll get a chance to talk about some of those. And again, if people are out there and they're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm asking these questions. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, uh, uh, we know there's more questions to be answered. There, there's more things to discuss about this particular topic. Um, but, but what would you just desire to leave everybody with today as they listen to this? That you know is just kind of one of your major takeaways from the process that you and your wife have been through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the there 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 are two things that have really been reshaped in me. Um, one is it's within the realm of reason and possibility and there are agencies that we partner with Mm -hmm. as a church, like say families, but it's within the realm of reason and possibility that the church could eradicate the need for foster families in our own state and our own cities Mm. that, um, if the church caught a vision for this, and we're educating and equipping people, um, uh, providing the support networks necessary, the church could actually meet the demand and dramatically reduce the amount of abuse that happens in foster homes, could dramatically reduce the exchanging, taking care of a kid for cash from the state, right? If, If the church just stepped up as a benevolent organization and said, we're going to take in children in need and keep them from ever entering the state system, which was never designed to nurture and care for children, right? The church could do that, and I think the church is called to do that. We can certainly do it at a local level. Um, And the second thing is, um, I believe that not only is this central to the message of the gospel, everyone doesn't have to do the same thing but everyone can do something in regards to foster care and adoption. That's sort of been our motto as a church for the past several years. Not everybody can do the same thing, but everyone can do something, whether it's respite care for a foster family, whether it's you know, providing meals, those kinds of things, or getting involved directly um, and fostering and adopting. Everyone can do something. I think it's in the heart of God. And so for the individual who's listening right, and watching, what I would say to them is, Ask the Holy Spirit how you're to be involved because it is part of the practice of the Christian life. Mm. And so there's a way to get involved with widows and orphans, right? The, the most vulnerable. And ask the Lord what that way is and then step into it with courage because he is going to meet you in it. I love Mother Teresa's perspective on um, if you want to be close to the heart of God, be close to the poor, right? Like be close to the most vulnerable, um, be in the trenches, in the gutters of Calcutta, right? Be there with them. If you actually, I think we often in many Christian circles run from conference to conference, trying to get close to God, listened worship album to worship album, trying to get close to the heart of God. I can just tell you for a fact now, having been walking this piece out for many years, um, you want to be close to the heart of God? get involved in what God's heart is passionate about. And this is one of those areas mm. for sure. He'll reveal um, himself. He will reveal himself. So, And thank you for sharing your story and yeah. looking Glad forward to it. Glad I kept to, it together. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and it is. It's so intensely personal. And, and like you said, that is an accurate reflection of how the Lord thinks about us, yeah. His emotion yeah. even towards us. And, um, and maybe somebody out there just needs to hear that. Yeah. Jesus loves you that much. And um, we're out of time for this one, but we hope that you will circle back around next week as we'll be bringing the same topic up again from a little bit different perspective and walking through some of the obstacles and challenges that um, that you might face as you pray about this. Um, it just occurred to me before we close, it's just so interesting. We often pray, Lord, show me your will. Like, what is it that you're doing? And here's one where we can just say safely and definitively, God is in this. Right. Um, we can participate. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. I often think, what like, what's the Lord saying back when we pray yeah. those prayers? Like, God, reveal yourself to me and or show me your will. And he's like communicating back, I'd love to. Show yeah. me some action, right? I, yeah. I'm waiting to meet you out on the field of battle. And, and, and like you said, and, and we've been talking about, not everybody has to do the same thing. Right. Don't let someone else tell you how you have to be involved, right? That's between you and the Lord. But the fact that we must be involved is inescapable. Excellent. And uh, and we know that many that are listening to this are involved um, already. In fact, we'd love to hear from you. We'd yes, love we to hear your story. Um, and you can share that with us through podcast uh, at churchak.org. And questions. Questions, um, comments, yeah, please, please engage with us, us there. Also, uh, we'd love for this to get out to as many people yep. as possible. So you can you can um, just uh, share our YouTube. Um, we'd love for you to subscribe to that channel and um, uh, and and follow us. So yep. we'll see you next week on another episode of On the Other Hand.